Would you open God's precious holy word to Psalm 102? The sufferer's prayer. Two have already asked me if this had anything to do with the game the other night. But the sermon was already planned. Four things the psalmist notes. Perhaps we can understand the setting as most historians and scholars reflect upon this. It's probably a psalm, it's an unknown psalmist, probably a psalm written by an older person who is standing at the precipice of release from Babylonian bondage, slavery. So as we go through, we can see how probably uh, the prayer can reflect such a person. Number one, pray, when, especially when things go wrong. And this is a person that is suffering and in affliction. A prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed. And pours out his complaint before Yahweh. Yahweh, hear my prayer and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Bend down and stretch out your ear to me. Overwhelmed. Issues a complaint. Fearful that the Lord will turn away. So it's a person who is afflicted in many ways, but first of all, because of the affliction, the suffering, the circumstances of life that the psalmist is facing here, in his prayer expresses his, his great fear that Yahweh will just not pay any attention to him. Now, we're going to see that there's a good side to this as we go through here, but how many times, I guess, when people have the greatest need and have the most sincere time of offering prayer, at the same time, do they have the fear that God is not going to respond, that he's going to not pay attention going to turn away from me and not hear my prayer. Secondly, concede or acknowledge this is what's wrong. For my days are consumed like smoke. Something that is burning away and the result is nothing that has any meaning at all. The days are meaningless. My bones are burned like a hearth. A description of some sort of physical ailment that has to do with his bones. My heart is stricken and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. Distressed, sick, Afflicted, 
and therefore no appetite, which brings the next problem. Because of the sound of my groaning, my bones cling to my skin. So he's beginning to atrophy because of all of his problems. He can't keep anything down, can't eat, hurts all over, and day after day, it just looks like his life is being wasted away. There's no meaning to his life day after day, like smoke. I am a, I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. So those, are, those particular birds are loners. They stay to themselves. They're also unclean. Then he says, I lie awake and am like a sparrow alone on the housetop. So he's an insomnia. He can't sleep. He hurts so much. Probably not just the physical, the bones and everything, but also the pangs of hunger that he can't do anything, doesn't want to do anything about. People have left him alone. He's lonely. And so now added to his physical distress comes emotional distress. My enemies reproach me all day long. Those who deride against me swear an oath. For I have eaten ashes like bread, and I've mingled my drink with weeping. It reminds us of Job's situation, those who came to him, supposedly his friends, but they kept accusing him. This, of course, is in a day and against a culture that generally believed that severe problems came from unrepentant, sinful condition in a person's life. So they make fun of him and they deride, they mock him. He apparently, because of his sickness and because of his his spiritual condition and his need to be before God, he apparently repents in sackcloth and ashes. If that's the case, he's covered with ashes and whatever he might try to eat has ashes on it. And he is so sad and cries so much that his tears drop into his drink, whatever he's drinking. I mean, he's in a mess. Because of your indignation and your wrath, for you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a shadow that lengthens, and I, like grass, wither away. It's the last couple of phrases that make people think that this is an older person, that the shadow of his life is extending on to darkness and the daytime of life is almost gone and that his energy like spent grass is withering away. And so he, in his prayer, acknowledges here something that we all know, and it is that our physical failing finally is to be laid at the feet of Adam, and we're under this curse. We die. In the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. And so that's passed on, and Indignation, the word, the, the, the Hebrew word references like humiliation, insulted, get insulted, which brings the wrath of God. God is humiliated because of our sin. God, sin cannot stand in the presence of God. God is insulted. He's, 
He's, it's something that he can't stand, and it offends him. And in that offense and in that humiliation, he becomes angry. What do you mean to be before me in a sinful condition? So this, this psalmist in his prayer says, you know, I know this is a problem that comes from your indignation and your wrath. I know that this is something that we suffer because of who we are. And I know that age and the withering of age and the passing away of life, I know this is something that has come because you have cursed us physically under Adam and you lift us up but then cast us away physically and we're gone. So, so the, the psalmist not only prays but in his prayer he concedes his problem and he enumerates the things that are hurting him so bad. But there's always hope. And it starts with this word, but, but you. Now he changes, you see. He changes in his thought and he starts thinking of better things. What else can you think of if you're toward the end of the day of your life and you know that the inevitable is going to come upon you because of the indignation and the wrath that God has cast upon a fallen race. But you, Yahweh, will endure forever. And the remembrance of your name to all generations, there will always be people of God in the world. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, yes. For the set time to favor her has come. For your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust. So Zion, Jerusalem in ruins. An older worshiper filled with pain and suffering of, of age and illness. Emotional distress because of those who mock him and deride him in his old age and in his suffering uh, and in his weaknesses, all of these things. But what can we do except turn to the Lord? Lord, you're going to, you're going to live forever. You're going to always be here. And you're going to cause it in your sovereignty such that your name will always abide and be remembered to all generations. Now, in his day and in his case, how are they going to do that? Well, it'll have to be going back to Zion, going back to Jerusalem to restore the temple, the city, the walls. For the set time to favor her has come. Daniel knew that Jeremiah had prophesied and mentions it in, in his book, Daniel. The prophecy of 70 years obviously was known among the people of God. So it seems that this worshiper is laying hold of the word of God. The set time to favor Zion has come. Now, when he writes it, the only thing that's left of Jerusalem and Zion is just ruins, stone, dust, stones broken down. But even though they're in disarray and torn up and, 
and, and broken down and collapsed and have fallen all around the stones of the temple and the walls and all. The servants, the worshipers of God in Babylon, ready to go back, take pleasure in those ruins. That's not a bad thought to them. So your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust. All right, so thinking forward in how Yahweh is going to be thought of in all generations, the Lord inspires this worshiper to look all the way through time, even to the, even to the consummation of the age. So the nations, now here you is, Babylon has fallen and the next Gentile nation power has arisen, the Medes and the Persians. The nations will fear the name of Yahweh and all the kings of the earth your glory. For Yahweh will build up Zion. He will appear in his glory. He will turn the prayer of the destitute and will not despise their prayer. God's going to hear this prayer. I'm the lowliest of the low, the sickest of the sick. I'm the most pitiful of people who are still alive because the day of my life is almost spent and the, the shadows have lengthened on close to darkness. But still, he will turn to the prayer of the destitute and will not despise their prayer. This worshiper has faith that God will do what he said he would do and that even though he's in the worst of times, the promise of God will never fail and that God's people will go back. Zion will be restored. A temple will be rebuilt by, by the people who started and then really embellished by Herod the Great. And Christ will appear in that temple. And then Christ, through all that he does, will sacrifice himself for his own and then will come back in glory. And all of the prayers of the destitute will be magnified and, and glorified. You know, the book of the Revelation depicts the, the bowls of wrath, the urns of wrath in the temple that is in heaven presently and these golden bowls receiving the prayers of the saints. And someday those bowls will be poured out and discharged as weapons upon the earth dwellers of the tribulation earth, the unbelieving earth dwellers. These prayers are being collected until finally they are poured out and discharged as a weapon from heaven. So he sees such a day that the prayer of the destitute will be turned and God will not despise their prayer. So then he gives this testimony. This will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise Yah. And that, if you read it out in the Hebrew, it's hallelujah, hallelujah. For Yahweh looked down from the height of his sanctuary from heaven, Viewed the earth. So you see, he's, he's, he's appealing to the sovereignty of God. And in the last of this thing, he's saying, you know, as pitiful as I am, 
the least of the least, the worst of the worst, the most insignificant person in the world. In spite of all of that, I have a part in this whole thing. And this, my testimony, I'm going to die and return to dust. And yet still, I'm going to be a part of a great sovereign plan that includes all generations. And what I'm going through is written for the generation to come that are people who, who aren't even created yet, who aren't even on the planet, will praise Yah. For Yahweh looked down from the height of his sanctuary from heaven and viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner. That's what they were in Babylon. To release those appointed to death. To declare in Zion the name of Yahweh and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples and the kingdoms are gathered together to serve Yahweh. Now that's in a day to come. We read in Isaiah, for example. Isaiah talks about how all of the, in the millennial kingdom, all of the nations will come to the temple where Christ will be. They will bring their glory. They will bring their goods and pay tribute to Israel and to the Lord Christ, and they will be taught there. Christ will be the teacher of the nations, the peoples, the tribes, the kingdoms are gathered together to serve Yahweh. That is in a, that is in a day of, of global redemption. He weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. I said, Eli, that's what Christ called from the cross. Eli, Eli, lama sabak. Eli, my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. We all say that at some point in time. Don't, don't, don't take me just yet. Don't take me now. You're always going to be here. Of old, now he goes from creation to consummation in his testimony. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. And yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them and they will be changed. That's an interesting statement. Probably inspired of the Holy Spirit, in his distant day in the past, a glimpse of a new heaven and a new earth. You will change your creation just like people change clothes. You will change them, they'll be changed. All of the universe, the work of your hands, they're going to perish, but you'll always be there. And they'll be changed. But you are he. And your years will have no end. The sons of your servants will continue and their descendants will be established before you. So the people of God, he said back earlier in the Psalm, God, you'll always have a people. Then he says, people who haven't even been created yet are going to be your people. So thinking of, of his failing life, physical life, he is enabled to see himself in all of his weakness, yet joined 
to a greater thing than just his physical life, which is to be joined to the people of God who will always continue and will always be established for he was you see he's a descendant of the people of God there will be descendants after him and so forth until the final generation they will continue and they'll always be established so even when he changes his clothes and the old gives way to the new the people of God will always be there so These afflictions that we have are just passing and they are temporary. But they pale in comparison to the greatness of eternity of which we shall be a part. Well, we'll stop there and have our uh, deacon prayer time.